The Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by High V and Toyson Ford. I am your host. Dan Casper, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave podcast. Appreciate you checking us out, whether you are a first-time or a regular listener here. Uh, coming up on, well, I should say on this episode of the podcast, we're going to chat uh, a little Packers, continue our Packers position preview series as training camp is getting closer to starting next week. The official uh, start date, the 26th, is the, uh, the first practice. The rookies report on the 21st, veterans report on the 25th. Uh, in our previous episode, we took a look at the the quarterbacks. Now, uh, in this episode, we're going to take a look at the defensive line. But uh, we lead things off on this uh, episode of the Man Cave Podcast, talking a little Brewers. Brew crew taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's do a little bit of a preview here. As we mentioned, Julio Tehran is on the mound for the crew. This is a big game for Julio Tehran, and I think not only just for him, but for, for the Brewers, too, maybe a little confidence trying to gain some confidence back in, in what he can provide for this team. Uh, he was off to, I mean, his first few starts with the Brewers. I mean, it looked like maybe the Brewers had, had struck a little luck, struck a little gold, buy low, low risk, and and he was really rewarding them with some really solid performances, good performances. But then the last couple games, it uh, kind of maybe looked like the Julio Tehran that that uh, people have been seeing for for the last couple of years. Go back to June 27th on that uh, game against the Mets, where he went five and two thirds, gave up seven earned runs, and then day before the fourth, July 3rd, uh, pitched six innings but gave up six earned runs against the Cubbies. Did strike out seven, but uh, giving up those six earned runs. So a big game, I think, for Julio Tehran tonight to maybe get back on track from what we had seen him or how we'd seen him perform earlier this year. Uh, and then just for the Brewers, for the confidence, especially you know with Wade Miley down, uh, at least on the 15-day injury list. But you know, give the Brewers a little bit of confidence that uh, you know if Julio Tehran can go out there and pitch like we saw him you know, in his first few outings, maybe that can kind of help fill the void of a Wade Miley loss there a little bit. If not, if Julio Tehran goes out there and struggles again and, and Wade Miley is going to miss some, some time there, does a starting pitcher kind of move up in the in the priority list here for for the Brewers before the trade deadline? You know, we'll, we'll hit that up here coming up in just a sec. But quick, kind of some uh, some previews here. If you're looking at uh, some of the some of the matchups, and actually uh, a few players have uh, quite a bit of experience going up against uh, Julio Tehran. Uh, obviously, during his time with uh, with the Braves, it makes sense because. Well, Bryce Harper has forty. Bryce Harper has Julio Tehran's number. Okay, uh, Bryce Harper in forty-seven at bats against Julio Tehran is hitting four oh four and forty-seven at bats and nine dingers, nine home runs, twenty-one RBIs. Schwarber, twelve at bats, four seventeen. JT Romuto, thirty at bats, two thirty-three. Uh, Turner. 
25 at-bats, 400. So, you know, the big-time hitters for the Phillies, they've had some pretty darn good success against Julio Tehran, which, I don't know about you, makes me a little bit nervous uh, for, for the game tonight. How about on the uh, the flip side here with uh, with Nola on the mound for the for the Phillies eight and six with a four point three nine ERA. His last uh, couple of games here, uh, he's been two and one. His last one was against Miami on the ninth. Uh, he did pick up a loss there where he pitched six, gave up four earned runs. Before that, though, in that July fourth game against Tampa Bay, big time outing for him, where he went seven and a third, one earned run, struck out. 12. If you're looking at some of the, the history here, uh, William Contreras got uh, plenty of experience with 15 at-bats. He's 267, but Christian Yelich has had some success against him throughout his career. Uh, in 30 at-bats, he's hitting 333. Uh, Tapia's got uh, 12 at-bats and also hitting 333 against him, including a home run. So, Other players like Adamas, looks like they've got a game or two's worth, not a whole lot to really kind of I guess deciphering that, but uh, Jesse Winker, DH, 14 at-bats, just 214 against Nola. So that's kind of your preview for tonight's uh, pitching matchups going up against these uh, these offensive lineups here. Uh, so back to you know Julio Tehran and, and does his performance tonight or maybe his next couple of starts kind of decide whether the Brewers might potentially look at acquiring a starting pitcher before the trade deadline. Um I think it's I think it's a possibility. You know, I'll just say this. I feel like, you know, we've talked about I I I think if we do like a priority order, majority of Brewers fans would probably say middle of the order bat, bullpen depth. But are we going to be upset if they go out and acquire another starting pitcher? I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not going to be that upset. Uh, you know, that middle of the or you know, in corner infielder would be on there too, but I would probably add, you know, something that maybe isn't being talked a whole lot about is maybe looking at right field. Cuz if you look at like the OPSs, the Brewers, you know, right field have one of the worst, if not the worst, let's double check it. Worst o- OPS by by right fielders in all of baseball. I mean, they need to upgrade their offense from that right field spot there too. You know, you got Weimer kind of holding it down in center field. You you're not going to you know if whatever offense you get from him once in a while, you're going to get a little bit of a run. He's displayed the power. He's got the speed. It's his defense, but you know, with him doing that in center field, a little bit of a streaky offense. You probably need a little bit more consistency coming out of your bat from that right field position. So we've been, you know, the focus has been on corner infield third first in that but i'd say don't necessarily kind of forget about right field and improving the offense coming from from your right field and you know we were focusing on potential dh or infield or a corner infield bats yesterday at as possible trade targets but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the brewers look to maybe add a right fielder a right fielder that can bring some consistency at the plate. Maybe that's where they get their middle-of-the-order uh, bat from. Might be a little bit more of a crop of players out there, potentially, that the Brewers can target to get that bat. So, you know, I really don't 
think that a lot of us would be upset if they make a move and you know it's it's they bring in a right fielder or they bring in a starting pitcher or whether it's a bullpen or whether it's a corner infield i think the only way we might be upset is if they gave up a lot and and gave up a lot of their uh you know future prospects down in the triple a or even double a or, or anything like that but at this point in time i mean i'll, I'll kind of take anything right now for the brewers because i think you can fit them in at different parts if it's a starting pitcher well, we've seen the health of their starting pitchers kind of go up and down. And, you know, we're counting on and kind of assuming that when Brandon Woodruff does come back, he's going to be the Brandon Woodruff of old and, and get back to, you know, what we saw. I mean, we just saw two games of him this year, but we're just going to assume that he's going to be the same old Brandon Woodruff. We're going to be probably holding our breaths after the first game, after the first couple games to make sure there's no setback from whenever he does return to that starting rotation. But... You know, outside of you know Woody and then Burns and, and Peralta, you got Wade Miley who's on the on the injured list, but you got to factor in that he's going to be, you know, dinged up and and that sort of thing throughout uh, the season. So you might want to look at a starting pitcher to potentially kind of bolster that starting rotation uh, there a little bit too. So, but uh, what do you think? Would uh, when when would you like to see the Brewers potentially go after another starting pitcher too? Uh, get a little bit more depth in in their starting rotation. A couple texts uh, to get to get to here is uh, looks like a couple of you, or I should say more than a couple, a few of you saying I wouldn't mind another starting pitcher to add to the rotation. Uh, more depth is never a big problem. Uh, this is from uh, Greg. Greg saying. While starting pitcher wouldn't be the biggest need that I would have for this team, um, I wouldn't be upset if they went out and acquired uh, if they acquired a starting pitcher. Okay, uh, this is from Ben. I wouldn't be upset at all if they got another starting pitcher. Having a five-man rotation leading into the postseason gives you a little bit more flexibility in that department. Now, who would it be? I'm not quite sure. I I'm not quite sure either. Uh, I'm not quite sure either on uh, who that uh, that pitcher would be off the top of my head. It'd probably be, I would assume, maybe a fourth or fifth player at the back end of of the rotation, right? Uh, Steve from Eau Claire saying big week for the Brewers. Is there a max amount of players that can be invited to training camp initially for the Packers? Well, you you have a 90 man roster. Uh, you have a 90 man roster. When when training camp opens, that's that's your max uh, of of players when it gets to uh, when it gets to to training camp. I'm assuming is that that's what you're asking, uh, Steve from Eau Claire. So uh, we got uh, a lot of people texting in about the starting pitching. We got uh, this is from Adam saying, "I don't think the Brewers need another starting pitcher. Maybe I'm putting a lot of confidence in Julio Tehran again, but uh, I don't think that is the biggest need for this team right now. Got to get an impact bat." whether it's from the outfield or the infield. So I'd say the majority is probably a little bit. Uh, it seems like the majority of you right now in the texting line kind of like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be upset if they go out there and, and got a starting pitcher. It's probably not the biggest need, but add a little bit more depth to it maybe, perhaps. So, But I wouldn't be surprised. I know we've been talking a lot about you know right field or uh, infield, corner infield, getting that bat over there. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Brewers kind of look at bringing in a right fielder to really improve that 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 production coming from from that spot. I mean, this was uh, 
And this was uh, from a couple weeks ago. I'll have to see if I can double check it, uh, what the numbers. But I know right field was at one point, I think it was the end of June. Yeah, these numbers were for, from the end of June for right field uh, for the Brewers when you're looking at uh, OPS. But they were, yeah, they were 30th. I mean, that was that was dead last at that point. Yeah, because remember, we went through these numbers back, yeah, it was the end of June, and they were 30th, dead last in OPS from, from that right field spot. And they've had, you know, not a lot of consistency from, from that right field spot in terms of who's played. It's been, you know, Weimer initially, then it's, you know, Brian Anderson's been out there, Tyrone Taylor, you know, guys have just kind of been plugging in over there. The Garrett Mitchell injury kind of, you know, threw things in a little bit of a flux there where Joey Weimer had to move over to to center field and such. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers maybe kind of target a little bit of right field help before the before the trade deadline. So kind of maybe keep your keep your eyes on that. I know MLB.com has, you know, if you're looking at maybe some trade rumors or some trade candidates and, and such, they've got uh, an article up, best potential trade candidate. For, for every position out there. And if you're kind of looking at it, you know, one of the guys at first base, if you're looking at maybe the Brewers getting a first baseman, we mentioned him yesterday, C.J. Cron from the Rockies. He was an all-star in 2022, but uh, he spent about a month, a little over a month on the injured list this year, just recently got back. And as they write on here, he isn't viewed by most as a big impact bat, but teams such as the Astros, Brewers, and Padres, who rank as the bottom three in majors and OPS at first base might view him as an upgrade. All right. Possibly. If you're looking at, you know, right field, a lot of guys are on here listed from from the Rockies for this all, they call it the uh, all-trade candidate team. A lot of players, quite a few players from uh, from the Rockies on here. So if you want to check that out, that's at uh, MLB. Com. So, quick break, and let's talk a little Packers defensive line. With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start, though, since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well, take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family-owned and operated, you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important, and Toys and Ford knows that just visit toys and ford today summertime is a busy and expensive season get togethers vacations road trips cookouts which also means lots of shopping for supplies so why not make your shopping easier and cheaper on your pocketbook this summer so that you can enjoy it more seems like a no-brainer right but where do you go hy from the best prices in the produce area to the best selection in the meat department in a huge wine and spirits area hy has you covered for this summer make hy your go-to summer stock up store and enjoy your summer this year uh, next week, training camp opens up for the, the Packers. Some teams already uh, welcoming in rookies today. That's the Falcons, the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Dolphins, Saints, and Giants. Jets fully open up their training camp tomorrow. But uh, Packers will be opening up their training camp a week from tomorrow. So we've 
kind of kicked off our position preview series uh, leading into a training camp yesterday. We hit up the uh, the quarterbacks, and today we'll take a look at uh, the defensive line. And it's led by Mr. Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark. I think it feels like for the last couple years it we've been like clamoring for some help for for Kenny Clark on that defensive line. You know, they brought in Reed last year. They've they've kind of brought in a couple other guys and and uh, and this that and the other thing and such. But we've always been. It just seems like we've been clamoring for some more like consistent help for 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 Kenny Clark and haven't really seen it. I mean, we've seen some bits and pieces there. Reed started off a little slow last year, then had a couple good games and such, and he's not back with the with the ball club. He's moved on. So, I mean, the Packers are are asking a lot for, you know, TJ Slayton to maybe play, you know, he's slotted in as I would imagine right now when training camp opens as that typical nose tackle, early downs, run stuffer type of player. Devontae Wyatt, I think we're all, we're all wanting and you know expecting a big jump from the sophomore first round pick last year. We didn't see a whole lot of playing time from him, you know, playing behind Kenny Clark and and Reed out there. So Devontae Wyatt, there's there's going to be a lot put on the sophomore shoulders. We we talk about or we hear about all these you know sophomore slumps and some of the rookies kind of hitting that sophomore slump. Devontae Wyatt cannot have a sophomore slump this year. He, he just can't have it. He's got to be a focal part of this defensive line. He's got to be a you know part of that group that is collapsing the pocket, stopping the run. That's the biggest thing I think we all want to see from this Packers defensive line is consistency in stopping the run, being better at stopping the run. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've been kind of banging the table for, for that for quite a quite a bit for the last couple of years here. I mean, la- you know, last year towards the end of the season, last few games, it was getting better. Right, I mean that's kind of been the talking point. I know Joe Barry has talked about it in the offseason. Is like, you know, how do we start off better? You know, we can't afford to go in the season. You know, kind of starting off slow and and not playing good football. Then towards the end, playing better. I mean, they they can't afford to do that. Green Bay, if you're looking at total rush yards allowed last year on on, on defense, they were near the bottom. So the number one team uh, was actually. Let me just uh, let me see if I can bring this up here quickly. So Green Bay was 26th. They were 26th in rushing uh, opponents' rushing yards per game last year. Tennessee was actually number one. San Francisco was number two uh, on that list. But Green Bay was 26, 139 and a half yards per game. The Chargers, the Giants, Detroit, Seattle, Chicago, and Houston. Uh, we're also all on there too, so that has got to be a big, big improvement. And and the thing is, you know, if these guys like Devontae Wyatt and and Slayton and such aren't going to be impact players, offensive line can just continue to key and focus on Kenny Clark. They can double team him. They can, heck, if they want, they can triple team him. If these guys can't beat their one on ones and be effective in in stopping the run or even collapsing the pocket on quarterbacks. You know, Wyatt and Slayton, these guys have to step it up this year to help out Kenny Clark so he can not face as many 
double teams out there and and maybe allow Kenny Clark to be a little bit more versatile. You know, if if Wyatt's out there and he, and, and Slayton's out there and they're doing their jobs well and they're doing it good and they're holding their own, maybe that allows Joe Barry to be a little bit more flexible, creative with a guy like Kenny Clark, where maybe he can go after the quarterback here a little bit. And you don't have to pigeonhole him as just, you know, being a run stuffer. Maybe you can move him around the, the defensive line uh, a little bit. There's a couple of rookies that I don't know how much of a playing time they're, they're going to initially get, but I'm kind of intrigued with them. One is Carl Brooks. I mentioned him earlier from Bowling Green. Lasted till the sixth round. If you, I mean, again, this is why the drafts are crapshoot and, and you know mock drafts but mock drafts a lot of them had them you know as more of a mid-round fourth round fifth round sort of thing on there and I know some uh, draft profiles kind of had them as a as an edge rusher more of a four three defensive end and I'm, I'm kind of curious and I'm he's one of the guys that I'll be kind of watching in preseason and training camp here to see one, how he performs, but maybe kind of get a glimpse of what his role could be on this team. You know, 6'3", 296, maybe a little bit on the lighter end of a 3-4, typical 3-4 defensive end. But I wanna, I, I'm curious to see, you know, how do how does Green Bay use him in certain packages if they give him a chance to, to get on the field? Because I think he he provides a, a unique kind of skill set. Because if we go back to his his uh, you know draft process, I mean he was you know more of that getting after the pass rush or getting after the the quarterback, you know powerful guy, bull rusher type of player. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see what what Green Bay and and uh, Joe Barry kind of utilize him if they give him the opportunity to get on the field this year. The other the other player, I you know, I don't know how much we're going to see from him this year. Uh, a lot of it's going to come from from preseason and training camp, but Colby Wooden. Now Colby Wooden is he's listed as a defensive lineman, but he might be more as an edge rusher for for Green Bay considering you know his size. And in, in that, he's listed at 6'4", 270-some pounds from Auburn. But, I'm, again, if he's uh, if, if Green Bay's got him on the defensive line, and depending on which depth charts you look at, like I'm looking at the mothership ESPN, they got him listed as a, as a right defensive end on that 3-4 base front. But that's a guy that, you know, you're kind of mostly looking at maybe getting after the quarterback coming off the edge. And he's got the the intangibles, high football character, um, you know, locker room guy. Uh, I I you know, I was looking up his draft stuff earlier this morning to kind of refresh it and I remember this line was from a scout that said he's a coach's dream. Nobody's going to outwork him and football means a lot to him. And this was a guy that Green Bay, you know, got in the uh was it in the in the fourth round? He was a fourth round pick. So I mean, mid round pick. You'd think he's going to get some opportunity out there, but initially on, on some of the depth charts, he's a little bit lower. But again, is he that guy that probably can stand up in a two point stance? Maybe put his hand in the dirt for a three point stance. I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay kind of plays around with him in the early parts of training camp 
preseason to see maybe where his best position is at at this point in time. But, you know, we're kind of focusing on him as being a defensive lineman right now, and I think initially he might be a guy that's going to go out there and his main job is going to be rushing the passer, going after the quarterback. Maybe he's that guy. You know, we've been talking about how do you get your best players on the field all at the same time on defensively? And, you know, we were kind of focusing on the edge rushers at that point. Remember, this was, a, I think, a couple weeks ago we were talking about it. And, you know, with Lucas Van Ness and assuming Rashawn Gary's healthy and you got Preston Smith, how do you get all three of those guys out there? And we were kind of throwing in the, you know, remember when Zadarius Smith was still on there and you had Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith was a guy that would come up the middle. Maybe this is maybe this is a guy that can you you know you can have lined up and, and blitzing up the middle a little bit because of his speed and his size that he can you know get off that line of scrimmage get off the center and kind of put up that pressure up the middle coming up the middle of that defensive front maybe I think this is a guy though Colby Wooden as training camps going on preseasons going on kind of pay attention to him and see where he's going to be lined up see what the Packers have planned for him, maybe a little versatility. It might be a little bit of like we're going to try him out here, try him out there, see where he can initially make an impact You know, with these younger guys. It's all about how do you get on the field right away and how can you help out the team right away? Where can you make that positive impact right away? And I think that's where they got to find that role for Kobe this year. I think he's he's an athletic freak. He's got the, the traits. You know, we just had that quote from that, from that scout saying he's a coach's dream. But now it's going to be the coach's job to find him, to put him in that position to affect games. You know, last year he had 11 and a half tackles for loss, three forced fumbles at Auburn, lined up all across the, the defensive line there. He actually has 30 tackles for loss in his Auburn career and 15 sacks. So I'm kind of interested in both him and Carl Brooks to see. Can they make an impact in their rookie years? Because I'm all about the rotation, too, when it comes to a defensive front. I like rotating guys in and out. I want to keep guys fresh. I want to keep those big guys fresh out there. But if you don't have that depth to do it, that gets that gets pretty tough. Like, you know, you're looking at it right now. I mean, how many times do you want Kenny Clark off the field if you're the Packers? Probably not many. You probably don't want Kenny Clark right now off the field too many times. Because you got questions about that depth. It's a lot of inexperience behind Kenny Clark. You don't have a lot of, you know, veteran help out there. You got you got TJ Slayton who's what entering his third year, Devontae Whitehead entering in his second year, then you got a couple rookies out there. So but I know when training camp opens next week and preseason's going on, because you all know me, I love me some preseason football. That's that's my jam. Carl Brooks and uh Colby Wooden are gonna be two guys that I'm gonna be uh, I'm going to be excited to see and, and curious to see what their role is going to be or or how they look. You know, probably not going to get the the greatest forecast of how much they're going to play in the regular season this year based off of training camp and preseason. But it's all about first impressions too. If they want to get on that field this year, they got to go out there and dominate preseason and training camp. So, but I think the biggest concern when it does come to defensive line is maybe the experience behind Kenny Clark at this point all right that's going to do it for this episode of the man cave podcast i am your host dan casper appreciate you tuning in and until next time i will talk to you on the next episode of the man cave podcast
That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.